is Radio Maria, and this is Vocations. Thank you for joining us today. Today is live on Tuesday at 11 a.m., but this will be rebroadcast throughout the week and will also be available as a podcast through Spotify, Apple Play, Google Play, Anchor, and all the different podcast <laughs> availabilities. On Vocations, we've been going a bit on a journey together. I personally have learning about all the different types of vocations and availabilities uh, that there are through the church to spread and share and make others holy. And basically, it's a call to love. And that's definitely what I've learned. There are many different guests on this series. We started off with having a general talk about what a vocation is. Then we've gone into what the vocations, uh, the different vocations are and what they're going to be looking at towards the future, especially towards our climate. We talked with a couple of brothers, a couple of priests. We've, to, um, we've also talked to a couple of lay, uh, laity vocation folks. Uh, coming up today, though, we're going to be focusing on the ladies. On the ladies. What vocations are there for women? And perhaps you might fit into one of these vocations. We've also spoke, uh, I believe last week we spoke about marriage and the vocation of marriage and how the vocation continues and might look a bit different throughout the marriage and then after, perhaps in uh, by losing a partner through death or through separation, how the vocation continues on and continues on to share the love for the partner and for the people you support. All right, enough of that. Let's introduce you to... Oh, Actually, we've got to start with a prayer. Uh, oh, Margaret Mary McFadden is one of our guests today. Margaret Mary, would you mind starting us off with a prayer for our show today? No, not at all. Thank you, Helena. Um, okay. So if we start with a preparatory prayer, I like to start with. So dear God, may all our intentions and actions be directed purely to your service and praise. We ask you to be with us as we discuss this important topic on how each of us can find the way we were designed to praise, reverence and serve you. In our discussion, we ask for open, honest discussion, for each to presuppose the good intentions of the others where there's lack of clarity to ask. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Oh, thank you, Margaret. But actually, while I've got you up, let's start with introducing you to our listeners. Mary, Mary, Margaret, Mary McFadden <laughs> is a presenter on Radio Maria, and many of you may recognize her soft soothing and inspirational voice she also has a spiritual website sunflowerseedspirituality.com she is a representative of the diocese of east anglia and she is a spiritual director but but um margaret mary would you mind sharing with our listeners what is a vocation and what does that mean to you um well for a while to me it was you know kind of what do you do um, I was a teacher for a long time. Um, and while some people had described it, this is, this is my job, this is what I do, it's not who I am, I felt very much that this is who I am. And um, 
when I was training to be a spiritual director, there was a book that was required reading in the first the first year of the course, which the name of it's gone out my head at the moment. But the the gist of this was um, a vocation is who we are designed to be and how we are designed to praise, reverence and serve God. These, these words kind of coming from the spiritual exercises. So it wasn't so, it's not so much as what job you do, but it's how you are designed to serve God. And I guess the journey, to me at least, has been discovering or discerning how I am designed in particular, because then it comes coming from that inner place, it, it becomes an outflowing and will influence what job I do and what work I do. But it but it comes from who am I in God and, and how am I designed to serve, basically, in a nutshell. <laughs> I, I love how you say who I am in God, how I am in God. We had um we had a gentleman, Ed, Edmund uh Edmund come on, and he was from uh Fertile Heart, and he said that's a very important part of as you grow older, as you become who you are, it's important to learn who you are in God. And that's part of your uh, growth experience. And as you grow and as you discern through that, you find your vocation. Oh, see, we all speak the same language. I love it, Margaret. I love it. I love it. I've also got Sister Elaine. Uh, Sister Elaine is the director of vocations for the UK. She's been on uh, sometimes, no, it's like twice now on this series and has been. Uh, I I found her as I feel like she's been the director of this whole series. To be honest with you, I don't mean to make you blush, sister. Like, but <laughs> I already am. And I, know, <laughs> and I know you told us twice already. But tell us again, what does the word vocations mean to you? Well, first of all, I'd like to say um, that Margaret Mary did a very very good ex- uh, explanation of what vocation is. I, I don't think I could have put it better myself. But vocation, everybody has a vocation, especially. Um, when we are we are baptized, we're all called to be a part of Jesus's own vocation in different ways. We all shared out, and it's 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 basically vocation is that invitation God gives to us, that invitation to participate in His work of building up the kingdom of God in our various ways according to our different skills and talents, and it's essentially calling us to relationship with him and relationship to our brothers and sisters in the human family. I think that's succinct. succinct. (laughs) That is, that is. And that brings in another part is that it's not just alone, but who you are within the human family as well. Yes. Is, could you, Sister Elaine, could you have a vocation separate from, I mean, there's these people called hermits that I, I guess, I mean, I have, we haven't talked about yes. hermits, to be honest, yes. but they stay away, right? But how is that a vocation? Well, hermits have a, a very special kind of vocation because they do go into a, a separate place. They go to a place where they don't come into physical contact with the world. But that is in order, first of all, to come into a closer communion with God through prayer, through their their daily works, through sanctifying everything about everything that is human about them, they sanctify that in their da- daily work. But apart from that, just because they are not in physical 
presence with us. And actually, if you speak to hermits, because hermits have to sustain themselves um, financially, a lot of them will actually have a work or a job or they'll have some form of way of ha having to make an earning. So they will, it's not that they totally never meet anybody, but they do separate themselves mm -hmm. from the world. And it's a way of kind of praying for the world because the important thing to realise in any of our vocations, because our original vocation comes from our baptismal vocation, which is where we are immersed into Christ and we become all part of the same body of Christ as you read in the Bible. So whatever one person does, it affects everybody else. So one person's prayer and sanctification of themselves will be for the good also of the holy community, the whole community of Christians to our brothers and sisters. And, and that's that's when we go into the spiritual realm of things and we, we it's, it's almost mystical. It's a spiritual realm where we don't think as the world thinks. It's not about physical service as far as the hermit's concerned. It's about serving people in the spiritual level. I love that. I love that. I'm sure many people are thinking, that's what I want to do. <laughs> there we go. I've got Sister Marianne back. Hello, Sister Marianne. So as I said, she is a member of the Faithful Companions of Jesus. Uh, Sister Marianne, what does the word vocation mean to you? Vocation um, for me is, is, is very, in one sense, very simple, but then it takes a lifetime to discover. It's where you meet yourself at the deepest level, your gifts, your de desires, your feelings, your skills, the things that make you feel alive, the things that are your, you feel yourself. And where all of these things, all of the deepest me meets the needs of God's people, so meets the needs of, of the world around me. So it, it's, it's something where, it's something about the, the, my own self meeting God's dream for the world and somehow me being a small part, a small co-creator with God of, of, of this lovely dream that God has of building a kingdom, we call it, a kingdom where love, peace, justice, kindness, creativity, beauty, um, are, are, are made into a reality more and more in our world. Um, and I think, um, you know, we, I often, when I was younger, I used to think I wanted to change the world. But now I realize actually that's not the point. Uh, the point is letting myself be full of God's love so that even without me being able to help it, I'm actually giving and sharing that love with others. So it's something about that, that connection between the deepest part of me and the needs of the world. And that's somehow how we meet God. And I suppose, as Sister Elaine said, it's not, you know, it's not something you can describe very easily. It, it is a little bit mystical, uh, but it is wonderful. It is. And I love that you, you're all calling it an invitation. It, it, it's God calling us to be with him. And like you said, to work in partnership with him for bringing the kingdom and bringing his dream of the world to fruition. I, I, a lot of us think of, oh, our vocation is God saying, oh, and now you're going to be this and then this. But it's an invite. It's him holding out his hand saying, let's do this together. I love that. Oh, ladies, ladies. Oh, I'm going to go into this day much happier now. <laughs> I should have had this show on earlier in the morning. <laughs> No, 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 no. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And now um, just to let everyone uh, know, 
uh, my vocation is I am a catechist and I teach confirmation at the parish of St. Lawrence here in Cambridge. And I feel that 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 and I guess I guess Radio Maria <laughs> might be a vocation as well for me, but mainly spreading spreading the word. And in a way, I like to think uh, invite I also invite all these folks to help spread spread what they know and their love and their stories uh, and, and how they are part of the body of Christ with others, with our listeners. So what about you listening at home or in the car or wherever you may be? Do you feel like you've been called to a vocation? Well, we want you to join in the conversation. Email us at info at radiomariaengland.uk and we'll be sure to share your story on one of the upcoming episodes here on Vocations. All right, let's move on to the next idea. So we've got, I've got one, two, three, I've got three amazing women here with me. So discerning yourself as a vocation though, and what vocations there are for women. Uh, Sister Elaine, could you share with us what, as a woman, what vocations are available for us? Oh, well, there are many vocations available for us, but I think the first thing really is really important for me is to know that the first vocation is our original vocation, which is our baptismal vocation. We are called to to be a part of Christ and all that entails sharing in the vocation of Christ. So that's the most, most important one. And some people think that just because, oh, I'm a lay person and I don't have any particular special consecration within the church, it means I don't have a vocation. I do have a vocation and I have... The, the, the highest vocation, I have the vocation to be in Christ and with Christ and acting for Christ. So that's the most important thing for me. After that, there are the other things that we can say. So if we, we separate them into two categories, the first category is that category of special consecration in the church. And many of us will recognise that as we know people who are consecrated religious, so religious sisters and nuns. Uh, then apart from that, that we can be consecrated virgins, consecrated hermits, as you as, as you as you have just said. We can uh, belong to a secular institute where you still take promises or still take vows um, to be part of a community of faithful people. Uh, there are new ecclesial ministries which came into the church after after Vatican II. These are, are other special communities where people work together in the spiritual uh, uh, same spirituality. Then after the special consecration, you have the, the special consecration also to marriage. And that is a very important one, which is a lay vocation as well. Um, the vocation to marriage, you are you are called to be Christ to your husband, or as we, as we are women, we are called to be uh, Christ and God. We are called to resemble the Trinity between myself as a woman, between my husband and with God, because God always has to be part of that relationship to make it resemble the Trinity and be most effective witness to the world of God's action, and especially. In marriage, we are called to parenthood, uh, to motherhood, and sometimes that is uh, a spiritual motherhood, and sometimes it's a biological motherhood. And then we have the vocational work. So we we, we, we can't say anything about 
we can't say anything about um, it, what, what work is. Like so, as we spoke about earlier, the the vocation to be a teacher or to be a nurse or any of the spiritual or corporal corporal acts of mercy essentially can be transformed because vocation, when God calls us to himself, it's always been called to be sent and any works of service to the community of God becomes part of our vocation if that is what we feel God is inviting us to. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, sister. So, Sister Elaine, you are a daughter of St. Paul. Yes, how, I am. How, how did you, out of all these different, you just named all these different ways, what, uh, what process did you go to decide, aha, I'm going to be ah. a sister of St. Paul, not a sister of St. Clair or all these other ones, but sister of St. Paul? Yes, there are, there are many different uh, congregations out there, and that's often one of the most challenging things for young discerners. Once you have have sensed that call to God within yourself. And for me, it was it was quite quite a, a clear call, as in, like, I felt God was calling me to be uh, a nun at the time. It says I want to be a nun, but I didn't even know what that was. So I had to go on a journey of working out, like, what that meant for me. And for the, the Daughters of St. Paul, it was actually, I was blessed because it was providential. It was kind of, it, it was easy for me because it fell into my lap. So so one day I went, we have Pauline Books and Media book centres, and shortly after discerning for myself that I was interested in becoming a religious, but I didn't know what that what that even meant, I uh, I happened to go into the book centre in, in Glasgow at the time, it was in Royal Exchange Square, and it was, it was my gran who had taken me into the shop, and I just happened to buy a little prayer card in the shop. And the sister gave me a vocations leaflet and I put it away and hid it away. And I thought, oh, this, this, this is scary, this. And I remember being in pizza land with my, my gran and looking under the table at this leaflet that the sister had handed me about like vocation, about being a daughter of St. Paul. And I was just, the only way I can, I can explain at the time was partly the shock as like, oh, this has fallen into my lap when I'd just been thinking about this. So it was providential, but also the excitement about the possibilities of discovering what this meant. But I thought I had to be a bit serious about it, and and uh, sort of I couldn't I couldn't just go with it. I had to be logical. I said this doesn't make sense. It's not logical. So I did right away to the National Office for Vocation in Scotland, and because obviously I'm Scottish with my accent, you'll notice that. Um, <laughs> I, I I I wrote away, and, they, and in those days we didn't have internet, so we had they sent me back a, a booklet with lots of different congregations, postal addresses, and locations, of course, and I just picked out a few and I visited a few. Because I thought, I don't know what religious life is. I have to find out more about what this is. I can't just go with the first one that comes to me. But as I went, and I maybe visited about five different communities. I'm not saying I went to hundreds. I just went to perhaps five to get a sense of like what was. But after the experiences, it was very clear that at least two or three of them definitely wasn't for me. There was another two that were possibilities. But in the end, I went back to the first one because it was just, to be honest, the way it felt was I just felt at home. 
when I was with them, I felt at home. And a lot of it is about how you feel when you're with the sisters, with the community, how you can imagine yourself being with them. And you're never going to get 100% of uh, certainty of saying, this is definitely where God is calling me. You can only do your best to work out from how you're feeling about this and having the courage. And I think that's the most important ingredient that I would ask our listeners to pray for, having the courage, because it's it's such a different kind of way of life. And we need to have courage. We need to pray for the courage to at least start on the journey. Knowing that starting on the journey doesn't mean that it's going to definitely be, because you've got a long journey of discernment, of working with the assistance of the community who will help you discern because they have their part in working out whether you are for them or not, which is only right because they know what it is like living in a community. So they'll know if you will fit in. So you have to have that twofold discernment between you and the community. And as you discern with the community and journey forward in that, it will become more and more evident if, yes, I have to stay here or yes, I have to have a vocation somewhere else because nothing is written in stone until you take your final profession. So don't be afraid to start the journey. God will be pleased if you seek him and seek to walk with him in whatever way of life you decide to choose. Does that answer your question? (laughs) Yes, it does. It's oh, that's I think I, I don't. I, this is the first time I've heard your Peter Land story. And I love how you said that you it's it's never going to be 100% because I, with marriage, mm-hmm. I, I, I tell people that it was the moment I met Robert that it was 100%. But even today, it, I, I know that it's in the right, we're in the right spot, and every, I'm doing what's right. But it's not easy and it, it doesn't feel, <laughs> but anyway, it always, it's always there. And then ah, God, God lets you know that you're on the right path and you're keep going, keep going, keep going. Oh, I've got Sister Marianne back. Sister Marianne, uh, Sister Elaine has been sharing with us her process of discernment and how she decided out of all the different five different folks, different places she visited, why uh, she ended up with the Daughters of St. Paul. Uh, could you share with us your process of discernment and how you ended up with the, as a faithful companion of Jesus? Yes, I will be happy to. Hopefully I'm back um, uh, online. I'm sorry about the bad connection, but it starts here, right where I am now in Malta, which is where I'm from. Um, and my Malta is a very Catholic country and my family are very involved in the church. Um, so I kind of grew up and the church was part of the furniture almost. You know, my grandfather helped build our village church and um, we, you know, we were, we were very much there. I used to go to daily mass before before school every morning with my mom. So so that was the kind of uh, you know upbringing I had. Um, but when I went, was a teenager, I kind of you know w- what happens in in those teenage years. Puberty hits and you start to question everything. And I was studying science and I thought I was very grown up. And and I thought faith was really something for grandparents and parents and older people. Um, so I kind of 
took a step back. It, it didn't mean I, I just stopped going to church. You understand, you kind of everybody went to church, but I stopped really believing within myself. I suppose I lost that childhood faith that you have when you were a, when you were a little a little girl. Um, but then at university and the last the last few years of the si of sixth form, um, I I met the I met Ignatian spirituality. I met the Jesuits, and they were the only people in in our, on our campus who were doing stuff for others. And I was always really, um, really interested in helping others and using my skills for others. I, I like getting involved and um you know so when I said at the beginning of the program vocation is where 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 who you are meets what the world needs you to do and who the world needs you to be in God. Um, so I was kind of discovering that all of those social activities and working with children and elderly people and being together as a, as a group were really were what really set me on fire I suppose. So I was looking for um, a group that was Ignatian but was for women. The Jesuits, as many of your listeners will know, are a male congregation. Um, and I, I thought I cannot I cannot be the first woman in the world who has thought that this this spirituality is very life-giving. Um, and so I did what you do, um, which is go on the internet and I looked for Ignatian spirituality. Um, this was at the very beginning of the internet because I am not young anymore. Um, but um, so there, were, there wasn't a lot of, um, of, of sites. Now, if you type Ignatian spirituality, you'll have millions and millions. But it, when I typed Ignatian women, up came a very simple website from a group called the Faithful Companions of Jesus. And it told me that, um, that they were an Ignatian group of women, that they were international. And I was like, oh, this is exactly it. These are like women Jesuits. And I started the connection with them. There, there are no FCJs, Faithful Companions of Jesus, in Malta. So it took me a, a few months, probably over a year, to get myself to the UK, which was the the place I could I could be to kind of meet the sisters. And I just felt at home. Now, obviously, there's much more to the story than that, lots of twists and turns. But I think it was about falling in love with the spirituality of Saint Ignatius that's that very much um, connected with action and with the world faith in action generosity and gratitude and living in the world and letting God use you I suppose in, in the best possible sense uh, for for your own fulfillment and of all others that brought me to the FCJs and then when I arrived uh, you know I got a great welcome and I thought this is a place where I can I can be myself, where I where I feel at home, and where I can be challenged to grow ever better. You know, I think vocation. If vocation is too too comfortable, then you you stagnate. So I think there's something about a place which will challenge you. So I went and lived for a year in the Philippines, for example, which was a challenge but also a great joy, and many others. Oh, it's true, Sister Marianne. If it if it stagnates, it it doesn't. You don't continue to grow. It's got to be a bit of a challenge. Oh, Absolutely. I love that, Sister Marianne. I love it. Uh, so it's well. There we go. We've got Ignatian spirituality with Sister Marianne, and then we have Margaret Mary McFadden, who is a huge Ignatian spirituality fan and and spreader and missionary in a way but in a different way than you sister marianne so margaret mary could you share with us 
your process of you've you've got a different uh, uh, process of discernment and uh, your journey has definitely had its own twists and turns. Would you mind sharing some of that with us? Not at all. Not at all. I am. I uh, concur, I suppose, is the word I'm looking for with some things that both Sister Elaine and Marianne have said in terms of this feeling of being at home. Um, I know I think I went on my first Ignatian retreat, individually guided retreat in 2001. Um, and as a student, I'd been on retreats and, and I'd come across imaginative contemplation before. But um, going on that first retreat, in spite of it being challenging, there's a sense of being at home with Ignatian spirituality. So that was the beginning of my journey. Um, and what I like about it, um, one, I have a vivid imagination. Um, and and how much my brain off, you know, because I have a PhD in chemistry and rather than contradict my faith, my lifelong engagement with, with chemistry and science has has more deeply confirmed it i suppose um so there, there was a sense of feeling at home with it and i'd been receiving spiritual direction for quite a long time but there was a, a moment on a retreat in mass and and i think what sister elaine has described is and um, partly what ignatius would call first time choice so that that sense of when you have a revelation and a desire to go with that revelation and there's a possibility of it. Um, That's certainly my experience in being called to be a spiritual director. And it was almost a whisper, you know, you could be a spiritual director. It was in the silent bit at communion during this mass. And I was kind of thought, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Okay, I'd quite like to do that. But Afterwards, again, what Sister Elaine described was was then this this much longer process because I don't I don't believe that God rushes us. He gives us time to I suppose acclimatize and 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 f- for that to grow and that desire to grow. And and by the time I then and it was a few months after that when I mentioned it to my own spiritual director which he he's kind of smiled at. So it was like, okay, that's a sort of affirmation because I was like, would I be any good at this? Um, so that there was this journey from, from hearing that and going for, the, for having the idea, I suppose, to, to go on the path where you start to take action to, to become that... Or, or fit into that vocation and and also what sister Elaine said about other people making that discernment you know so my own director was involved in the course that I did and and his very smile and his response to me was an affirmation you know that okay maybe this is not just a fanciful idea because I I, I think when we have this moment um or feel this calling th- then what can happen Im- immediately or soon after that is all the doubts what who me really and all of that kind of stuff so that's kind of where I am how it happens and and then you know how I came to be doing what I'm doing it's about taking those steps 
Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Oh, and you have done such a beautiful job with your, uh, it's not directly spiritual direction, but your meditations here on Radio Maria with your Lectio Divina and your imaginative prayer, I know has helped so many and has been such a blessing for us on Radio Maria. And then th this is Vocations on Radio Maria England. series of vocations on Radio Maria England, we have been looking at all the different vocations across the board, how it's a call, an invitation from God to work together, to sanctify one another, to help build that kingdom that God wants here on earth. He's given us gifts, uh, desires, skills, and as our guests have said, it takes time to discern and to really make sure that we are going in the right way. And even when we've made the decision, we're not, we still don't feel 100% sure that we're on the right way. But God's got our hands and is, we're going side by side with him through helping one another. I've got today on the show, Sister Elaine, who is a director of vocations for the UK and a daughter of St. Paul. I also have Sister Marianne, who is a sister of the faithful companions of Jesus. And I've also got Mary, uh, Margaret Mary McFadden, who's a spiritual director and also an Ignatian spiritual director and has her website, her blog site, which is sunflowerseedspirituality.com. So we've touched a bit on uh, what vocations are available for women. And now I'm going to touch on the idea. Recently, uh, Pope Francis and the Vatican has released a new document uh, talking about the new services? Oh, Sister Elaine, you've got to step in and help me here. What is this this new idea that women can serve the church in different ways? Help me out. Yes, uh, Helena. That's, so Pope Francis uh, recently sort of made available ministries, which were called the new ministries, but they're not really new. They've actually been around for a long time. New ministries, the Ministry of Catechist, the Ministry of Lector, and the Ministry of Acolyte. Now, these ministries, as you will know, many of you, our viewers will be will be already doing those ministries. It's things that women have been doing in the church already for quite some time. But the difference is, is that traditionally, these ministries were a part of what was called the minor ministries of priesthood. So on, our, on a, a man's journey to priesthood, he would be, go through these various ministries as kind of like miniature ordinations, although they wouldn't have called them that. But they go through a set of special blessing ceremony and that would be in their preparation. So uh, to I think the first one is acolyte, which essentially translates in being a helper, helper to the priest. So that would be kind of like being an altar server and helping around the sanctuary. Then there would be, I think the next one that comes is the lector. The, the ministry of lector is being a reader, not of the gospel, but of the, 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 the other readings. And uh, the catechist is a ministry of teachers, teachers of the church. And we, we know that even St. Paul talks about these as being one of the special ministries of the people of God. So a catechist to help people understand and prepare, prepare themselves for that journey with in getting to know Christ and the Christian faith. So those are the three ones. And I think what's changed with this is that the church is now being invited 
or each bishop's conference is being invited to prepare almost like a a more formal process, a, 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 a formal process of preparation for these new ministries, as they're calling them. And uh, then there probably will be a, a, like a special blessing ceremony or something like that. And these people who who discern to have these vocations will be made available to serve the whole diocese. So there's a, a, a vocation to serve the diocese basically your local church. So I love that because as I was growing up, I got to be a, I got to be a altar server, I guess, mm-hmm. a, a small little alkalite, but I never, I never did. I was very nervous. So I only <laughs> wanted to be the cross bearer. <laughs> I did, that was the most responsibility I wanted for mass. <laughs> but my brothers <laughs> did the other ones. And then as I grew older, oh, reader a lector yes please mm-hmm. and that became uh because i went to a catholic school and we had mass each tuesday it, it the teachers did such a lovely job making sure that each of us knew how responsible we were for sharing the word of god for our for the parish and for those attending mass so we had this uh blessing by the it was a bishop came and did it on all we were just little school children and he was doing this lovely blessing on it was it was beautiful i still remember that's how important it was and then as a catechist as well uh the the bishops do usually once a year maybe they'll they'll invite the catechists to come to the cathedrals and do a, a regular a regular blessing and a reminder of how important we are to the growing of the faith and the beautiful growing of the young people in my in my instance for confirmation for teaching the confirmation candidates and so it has been such such a special part for me and now uh sister elaine there's there's two i believe there's two uh vocations that women cannot have whereas uh and that is priests and deacons now you said that these new ministries were used to be pathways to deacons and ordination is there a way to explain to anybody uh, to us listening uh why these why these are chosen not to be available to women mm, well i suppose if we just to say if we were going to be awkward um is because the church says so but the church says things out of its tradition, um, and as Pope John, Saint Pope John Paul II said, they, 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 he was asked that question. He says, "No, women cannot be uh, priests in the church," and I think the reason that's given is because the priest, in a special way, represents uh, Christ. We all represent Christ in a certain sense because of our baptism. As Christians, we all represent Christ. As Christians, we're all baptised, men and women. We're all baptised to be priest, prophet and king. So we do share in the priesthood of Christ. But the particular sacramental ministry of the priest, of making present Jesus through the sacraments, has been reserved for men only in the church. I know that this is a, a, a difficult thing. I mean, we can always say that the, the church does revisit this. So even under the the pontificate of Pope Francis, he did 
have a big synod and he was exploring the, the, the possibility of the ministry of deacons, deaconesses, because they, they did apparently have deaconesses in the early church and they would assist with the baptism and the, the preparation and the service of the people of God. But but that that concluded basically saying, no, we're still not going to do that at the moment. And it is difficult. I mean, I think there was a period of time in my own life, I think actually around the time when I, when I was in my, I suppose I would be in early, early, early 20s, when I was at university, it was actually when, when the church actually decided to welcome married clergy from the Anglican church. And that pulled up a whole lot of questions for me as in like, why are the why is the church doing this and why is it and for some reason it triggered something in me asking why why is priesthood only for for men why can't women be priests and to be honest it was a moment of crisis of faith for me but i think we have to recognize that a crisis is actually a moment of growth it's when we deepen our faith and and by the end of it, hopefully, we come out a little bit wiser because we've reflected on the question a little bit more and we've become stronger and we know ourselves and we know the faith a little bit more. And we've said that yes to God. I think there's some of the saints who who will will recognise or who, who will who will say that, that the church isn't perfect. There's lots of things in the church that we don't like. But at a certain point, we have to say, this is what I choose to be part of because the benefits of being a part of the church far outweigh anything that is, for me, difficult. And I have to say yes in faith to the things I don't like. It's like that yes of not being able to arrive at where I need to arrive at. Um, I, think, I think for me and for many religious people, not, I'm not, I don't mean consecrated religious, but people who are who who have questioned this in themselves, they, they they have to overcome it. They have to see that this is something I accept about the church, um, and I don't know if anybody can say they feel a hundred percent comfortable with it. But we have to believe in the wisdom of ch- the tradition, and that somehow God is at work there. And maybe it's so that women are pushed in another direction, and we have to, we have to develop ourselves in our vocational ministry in other ways. And I think if we remember that Mary, our Blessed Mother, had like the highest human vocation. I mean, we're just after celebrating the Assumption of Mary into heaven, our whole body, soul, person into heaven. Now, what does that mean? That means that everything about a woman can be sanctified and raised to the highest heaven. And Mary is our, our ultimate model. And if we can, and, and our founder, um, Blessed James Alberione, he, he wrote a whole book a way back, like, like in the I think it was in the 1950s, if not before 1940s, he wrote a book called Women Associated with Apostolic Zeal, the Priestly Apostolic Zeal. It's There is something about priesthood that women can embody. Priesthood is about bringing Christ, giving Christ, 
And there are many ways for us to do that as Christians. It doesn't necessarily have to mean being up in the altar and being that particular kind of leader in the church. Oh, Sister Elaine, you have, you have, uh, I, I'd like to think of myself as humble and, oh, you've, you've definitely, I, I feel very, I had the, the same crisis and, and I do agree, agree, agree. And, and Mary is a perfect example for us. And I think as we've shown already through our guest today, there are so many ways that, that God has, has endowed all of us women with these gifts, with these skills are are just perfect to do uh to share his love to sanctify others just in a different way than priesthood called to a different way in priesthood for example uh margaret mary mcfadden is a spiritual director which in a way is a lot of what priests do but in a different way uh margaret mary would you mind sharing with me uh, and our listeners what what exactly a spiritual director does um well part of what I do is listen and that's like a really really big part of what I do um it's a a one-to-one conversation about how is God moving in that person um I'm I tend to do mostly um spiritual direction in ongoing life and it's about listening between the last conversation and this conversation what's going on what's going on in that person's prayer life their relationship with God and listening for where one God is is with them and moving in their life um and and two also for other um signs where they they may be moving away or being pulled away from from that journey deeper into God, and it's quite a, a subtle it's a subtle listening. Um, you know, I frequently hear people I'm directing, and um, go after we've got into something, they kind of go, "Oh, I never really realised." Um, and 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 sometimes it's a really it's, it's hard to explain it, but there, I have a feeling of there's something interesting going on in there and then ask ask questions about it I'm really quite nosy actually I, I want to know what makes people tick <laughs> and um you know so so I I will I will ask around you know just something about there's more to what that person has just said or the words they've used or their tone of the body language and and start to ask them questions about it and tease out what what is actually going on because you know, sometimes we feel that, ah, this is God that's moving me. But but when you examine that much more deeply, you find, yes, but what, what else is there that's that a counter movement towards God? Um, or or sometimes you find that something seems to be, you know, this is this is not a good thing, this is a, a temptation, I'm being pulled away from God. But when you look at it more deeply, you realize that actually this is where God is is thrown down a gauntlet or a, a very gentle challenge but nevertheless that is a challenge so it's that kind of one-to-one in-depth conversation and and looking for these movements and to to help the person kind of put it on the table and look at it really 
Um, Because it can spin round in your head and you don't know which way is up. But if we put it on the table and look at it together, um, try to make sense of it. And the other thing is people can talk about, you know, three or four things that seem to be not connected at all. But then as a spiritual director... I might sense that there is a there is a common thread running through these separate issues and 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 it allows whatever it is that's bubbling underneath to come out to the surface and be expressed. And in a way it's helping the person discover where God is and what God is calling them to. Oh, and you are oh Margaret Mary is so good at listening. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then Marianne, uh, Sister Marianne, uh Looking towards the future of vocations and women's vocations, uh, Sister Elaine said that there are, since the Vatican II, there is these new e- uh, evangelical and communities and groups, communities of the faithful that have been springing up and, and have been blessed. Where do you see uh, vocations for women going towards in the future? Um. Wow, so you want me to um, to look into the future and be a bit prophetic now? You can do it, you can do it, you can do it. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think sometimes it's an, a bit of an artificial distinction to talk about women and men. You know, the church evolves and grows. And so I think that God will do something wonderful and new. You know, the spirit is working within our church, whether we see the spirit of God or not. Um, and God is there and God will inspire and, and, and help help us to be creative. So there are groups that are springing up that are that are really focused on maybe one, one aspect of life. I know a friend of mine, for example, who is just in the process of, of bringing a group together who are focusing on the arts and ministry to artists. I mean, that Ooh. would be something, me with my scientific background, I would never have thought. But, you know, the explosion of creativity, um, which is full of faith, can be of such benefit to the people themselves who find fulfillment within it and to God's church. So I'm afraid predicting what's going to happen next um, in, in, any, in any detail is going to be very hard. But I know that God is working and God's spirit is working within us. And there's a lot of openness to that. Um, I loved what Margaret Mary was saying about that deep listening. Um, that intentional listening. And I think a, a lot of people of faith are listening and we can see that change is happening. Change is happening in the structures of our parishes, of the way we gather to pray together. And and I think we are in this very uncertain time where the ground seems to be shifting. It's not a very secure time we're living in. Um, and yet if we hold on to that faith that God is a God of love, that God is a God of, of adventure, of new things, and that God is ever creative. You know, why would God repeat something that God did a thousand years ago? God is going to create something new. And I think it's about putting that trust in God, listening to God's spirit. It's about taking time to pray. Um, and, and, you know, prayer in the sense of what we've been talking about, about listening to God, about cre- um, entering into the gospel passages and, and seeing what are they saying to us now? You know, what, what are these, these words of Jesus? What are these actions of Jesus inspiring within us? And I think trusting ourselves as well. Often we kind of hope somebody else somewhere else is going to tell us the answer. 
Whereas I think God, if God is, is really alive and well within us, then the answer can also be find, found within ourselves. There's, there's plenty of opportunity for discernment. And I think that discernment um, is, is really important, that listening to God. And, and it doesn't have to be a place that is already established. You know, I joined a group that had started 200 years ago. Um, and this is where I find fulfillment. And that's wonderful. But that's not everybody's vocation. Um, so it's keeping a lookout, letting our interior life continue to grow. Um, and then taking that step of risk when something comes along that kind of gives us that little jolt within our heart of saying, oh, this is, this is it. Maybe this is what I'm meant to do. And as we said previously, not expecting ourselves to be 100% certain. Um, because, yeah, you'll do nothing if you're only waiting for 100%. Nobody would get married to anybody um, if no, they we're waiting not. to be 100% sure. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Sister Marianne, if people have been listening today and like, oh, I want to learn more about this, oh, this uh, companions, wait, wait, what is it called? Faithful Companions of Jesus. How could they find out more information on your group? Um, we have a website, www.fcjsisters.org, where it's, it's the international website. You can see what FCJ sisters get up to uh, in different parts of the world. We do a variety of work. Uh, we're also on the basic social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, yeah, or, or just, you know, Google FCJ sisters <laughs> and find, find one of our, our, our emails and get in touch. Wonderful. And then, Margaret Mary, is there any way, say, someone was listening and said, I need someone to listen to me. How do I find a spiritual director? Um, well, it, it, it might depend on which diocese they're in, um, unless the prepared to go online. Um, there is a, in the Roman Catholic Diocese of East Anglia, which is the, the one where I'm the spirituality representative, um, there is a spirituality page and so if they're in that diocese, they can contact me through that. And I have, um, I'm not going to say I'm matchmaking um, because I'm not. I don't, I'm, I'm not qualified to do that. But I, <laughs> but I, I do know um, of spiritual directors in, in all areas of the diocese. So I do have a contact that I could then kind of pass on your details to someone else to be able to help. Um, I think a lot of, um, the diocese, uh, uh, some of the dioceses have them um, on their diocesan websites if they look for them. Um, so that that's one way that you could do it um, in terms of, of finding someone. But there's also the Catholic Spirituality Network. Um, you might want to contact them. They also have, you know, they know who directors are. I don't think um, we're very... We're not as well organised as the Anglican diocese who, you know, many, many Anglican dioceses, have, they, ha they have a list as such. And again, there are, as well as Anglican directors on there, there are sometimes Catholic directors are on those lists as well. So if you're looking for someone in your area, you know, try your diocesan website um, and, 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 and see what you can do. And failing that, try the Catholic Spirituality Network they may know someone in your area who's doing spiritual direction as well. 
Oh, thank you, Margaret Mary. And then Sister Elaine, uh, besides visiting the vocations office, the National Vocations Office online, mm-hmm. how else can people learn about the Daughters of St. Paul? Oh, well, we have we have a website as well. We have a couple of websites, but you can uh, either Google us. A lot of the time you get the Americans up first, but it's good to know like what we're like throughout the world. Uh, then we've got UK, um, sorry, Pauline, hyphen uk.org that's our main website and um we're on facebook as well so you can find out daughters of st paul there you go let the lord google (laughs) google and god will show you the way thank you all so much for coming on the show today and sharing your stories and your vocations with us and we've run out of time so sister mary would you mind closing us in prayer Sister Marianne, is that me? Oh, Sister yeah. Marianne, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, I, certainly no problem. So we just take a moment of quiet. And we thank God for our conversation. We thank God for our words and for the feelings and the desires within our hearts. We ask God to continue to lead us, to give us the courage to take risks, and to allow us to really appreciate the gift of fulfilment. We ask for the gift of faith and the gift of generosity. And we pray particularly today for the people of Haiti and the people of Afghanistan. We make our prayer in the name of Jesus, our companion. Amen. 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 Thank you, ladies, so much. This has been Vocations on Radio Maria England.